Hello and welcome to another episode of My Favorite Trees. My name is Thomas and I love trees. We now find ourselves in the eighth month of the Celtic Oum tree calendar. This is the way in which Celtic civilizations divided the year. Rather than 12 months, they observed 13 moons as it was based around lunar cycles. And each moon is named for a tree whose symbolism is said to represent that time of year. This is the Holly Moon, known in Gaelic as Tinna, and it lasts from July 8th to August 4th. If you live in the Western world and are familiar with Christmas, you should already be familiar with Holly. We are fond of decking the halls with boughs of the stuff come December every year. But it's not December. It's summer. Why is the Holly Month in the summer? Is this actually a summer tree that has some symbolic background that no one seems to know about? Yes and no. No, it is not a summer tree. It is in fact known as a winter tree, even by the Celts. But yes to the idea that the holly has some business with summer that is not as well known to the general public. It actually has to do with the oak, last month's oum tree. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You may not even think of holly as a tree since we are so much more familiar with it in the form of wreaths and garlands, but if you know where to look, you'll find it growing in the forest. Let's get to the bottom of this. Summer or winter? Wreath, shrub, tree, or something else? Okay, well, the holly does in fact not grow as a wreath in the wild, I can tell you that much. That would be pretty cool though. I like the idea of a real Christmas forest existing in the wild, like in Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, and holly just grows around other trees and pre-made garlands. That sounds really magical. Um, focus, Thomas. You'll likely recognize certain iconic features of the holly, even if you haven't seen it in the wild. Today, the holly is more often grown as a shrub. Its spiny leaves make for good hedgerows. But left to its own devices in the woods, it is possible for hollies to grow as a tree up to 50 feet or 15 meters tall. Although when holly is grown by humans, it's never allowed to get that tall because the wood tends to be thin and weak. If it were ever to be grown for its wood, it would probably just be made into small specialty items like, say, chess pieces. The biggest reason why hollies are associated with Christmas is because they are typically evergreen. My Christmas tree episode goes into great detail about the connection between winter solstice holidays and evergreen plants. There's actually close to 500 species of holly, and with a gene pool that big, you can predict that not every single holly is actually evergreen. There are species like Ilix decidua, which is deciduous, hence the name. In this instance, we are going to be focusing on a specific species, the English holly also known as Ilix aquifolium. Ilix comes from a Latin term meaning evergreen oak. From here on out, you're going to see a lot of ways that humans have connected the holly and the oak. At a glance, you may not have ever thought these two plants to have anything to do with each other, though. Aquifolium can be broken down into acus or acro, meaning needle or sharp, and folium meaning leaf. So essentially, the Latin name means sharp-leafed evergreen oak. If you're familiar with both oak leaves and holly leaves, then yeah, the connection kind of makes sense. 
The oak leaf, as I mentioned last month, has lobes protruding along the edges, and the holly is known for its leaves having wavy, spiny edges. Those holly spines, on that small scale, don't look very dissimilar from the lobes on an oak leaf. But those spines are absolutely sharp, they aren't as bad as full-on thorns, but you still gotta be careful. One part of the holly that you may not be familiar with are the flowers. They are yellow, very small, and honestly, you may not even notice them if you are walking nearby. They do have a slightly sweet smell to them, though, which is nice. And I've talked in the past about how other evergreens potentially bloom throughout the year. That's mostly based on climate, so with the English holly being in the UK, it's going to be dependent on seasons just like every other plant, despite being an evergreen. So what I'm trying to say is that it's a spring flower. When the flowers are pollinated, they may be replaced by fruits, and those you are likely to recognize. Hollies grow these bright red berries. They'll form in the fall, and that bright red color set against the dark green leaves makes everything feel oh so Christmassy. Couple interesting things about these berries. Number one, they actually won't form until the holly is around 40 years old, which feels really old to me. Sorry if you're listening to this and you're over 40, but hollies tend to only live for around 100 years, so 40 just feels really late for a first fruiting. I know Steve Carell starred in a movie about that, but you know, people are different than plants. Also, holly berries are super toxic. Do not eat them. Birds do love them though, so just let them have at it. When I was a young child, like four years old, my family was living in this condo in Orange County, California, and I have this weird, distinct memory of these bushes that lined the sidewalks leading up to our building that had these bright red berries. And our parents would always tell me and my sister not to eat those berries because those were poison berries. Good call, because kids will eat anything. But that's what we thought they were. We thought they were called poison berries uh, that just got planted by houses. And for most of my life, I've wondered if those berries were really poisonous or just what they were in general. Thinking back now with the knowledge I have, these were very possibly holly shrubs. And if they were, they were definitely poison berries. So I mentioned that there were 500 holly species. Maybe you're familiar with any of them aside from the English holly? Well, the English holly is specifically native to northwestern Europe, so if that's where you're from, you probably saw that more than anything else. As for the United States, there are a variety of native species that are planted ornamentally along streets and in yards and parks. Species like the American holly, which is very similar in form and appearance to the English holly, as well as the Yaupon holly, uh, and some hollies that aren't called hollies, like the possum haw. Possum haw is the deciduous one I mentioned earlier. There's honestly just a bunch of random holly species growing in the woods. Up in Wisconsin, there were two swamp hollies that we would see in some of our research grids, and if I didn't know their names, I might not have recognized them as hollies. Another fun North American ilex species is the winterberry. That one's another deciduous shrub, and those hold their bright red berries through winter, you know, if the birds don't get them first. But without the leaves, it looks like the otherwise bare shrub is decorated with little ornaments. If you're familiar with the health beverage yerba mate, that comes from another holly species native to South America. And then around the world, you'll find hollies that are just named after that region. Japanese holly, Chinese holly, Nepal holly, holly creole, holly gumbo, wait no, stop, that's shrimp. What is the holly related to? 
Nothing. Nothing really. That holly genus, Ilix, is the only genus in the holly family, Aquafoliaceae. The next step up from family is order, and there aren't any families in that order that contain any plants that are really common or useful to humans. Hollies are just hollies. The closest related plants that you may recognize are in the massive aster family, flowers like daisies and sunflowers, but that family is so distant that it's not even really worth mentioning. So why then are hollies so closely associated with oaks? Just because their leaves look similar? Let's see what our ancestors believed. Okay, so you're not crazy. The holly is a Christmas or Yuletide or winter solstice plant. As I've mentioned, evergreen plants almost always are. Holly was one of those plants that druids adorned their temples with at the winter solstice and ancient Romans decorated their doors with at Saturnalia. The evergreen leaves represented everlasting life, and when Christianity moved into Europe, they adopted the holly into their faith and stories of Jesus. It was said that holly was part of the crown of thorns that Jesus wore, and that once upon a time the berries were white and symbolized purity, but were stained red by his blood forever after. It's also said that the name holly is derived from the word holy. Ignoring the first story and whether or not hollies actually grew in Israel, the name holly is actually thought to be derived from the Proto-Indo-European word for prickly. Uh, Proto-Indo-European, if you recall, is that language system that predates our more familiar ancient societies across western Eurasia. But these seasonal associations are fairly clear considering the physical nature of the plant, and we know the Celtics to have used holly at the winter solstice. Why then is a high summer month given to the holly? In Celtic faith, the year is split into two halves, the light half and the dark half. The light half of the year lasts from the winter solstice to the summer solstice, and is supposed to be ruled by a god or spirit known as the Oak King. The dark half of the year lasts from the summer solstice to the winter solstice, and is supposed to be ruled by a god or spirit known as the Holly King. The Holly King and the Oak King are actually brothers, but not like friendly brothers, more like rival brothers who compete and fight over everything, including control of the world. The solstices are when they battle for that control. Every year, the Oak King wins the battle of the winter solstice, and this begins the light half, while the Holly King wins the battle of the summer solstice, and this begins the dark half. What I'm confused about is why the Oak and Holly months are back-to-back -back in the summer. I, I get that they're brothers, and they get to be next to each other, but why did they both get put near the summer solstice? It ignores the winter solstice battle entirely. One should be put near each solstice. If you ask me, it makes no sense that we celebrate the oak at the end of his reign, and the holly at the beginning of his. Make the holly moon the one that includes the winter solstice. That just makes more sense. Or am I crazy about this? Because I just don't get it, and I have not been able to find an answer to this. But the holly isn't just a winter solstice symbol, it's a symbol of the overall decline of the year. And isn't that just cheery? Because those who love summer love being reminded right in the middle that it's going to come to an end in not too long. On the other hand, maybe you're the kind of person who really loves fall and winter. 
Maybe you get those weird urges to listen to Christmas music in July and August. Maybe you can't stand the heat of summer and look for any excuse to look forward to it leaving. So in those cases for me, I mean, <clears throat> I mean you if you're into those things. The Holly Moon is a cool thing. And I'm sorry if this upsets you, but high summer is the practical time to start preparing for winter. Back in the days of more primitive technology, winters were a struggle for survival, and if you wanted to make it, you had to prepare early. So within the Holly Month, you'll find the holiday known as Lammas. Lammas is an old Christian holiday adapted from a more pagan Celtic tradition that celebrates the first grain harvest of the year. Back when this was a more pagan tradition, this holiday was an important time to worship the sun god, knowing that every day forward would see his power continue to wane. Which is funny to me, because the winter solstice holidays exist to celebrate the return of longer days, and this early August celebration waves a tearful farewell to summer, because everyone just loves Papa Summer Oak King. Apparently the Holly King is just that estranged uncle that shows up at his brother's funeral and everyone is sad because that brother made the crops grow and made them all tan, but all the Holly cares about is winning, and to him, this is winning. We do love the Holly though, just at a different time of year when it becomes more valuable. It's less fun when it takes away our precious sun, but in the winter, when it's the only green thing around, then oh, we're big fans. Just like that same estranged uncle, he shows up at family Christmas gloating because he knows they hate him, but they still invite him to gatherings because he owns enough of the family business's stock that if he sold, then the company could be bought out. They don't want him to do that, but in reality, he'll never sell, because he knows that if he does, then the family will finally disown him for sure, and he can't stand to be alone. Not again. I'm sorry guys, I have no idea where I'm getting this analogy. I have... I have no real-life inspiration for this. And honestly, it's not even a fair analogy to the holly. It's a great tree despite having pokey leaves. I really don't like pokey trees. But we get a lot of fun things from the holly. We get fun holiday traditions and festiveness. We get yerba mate. I've never had yerba mate, so I don't know if that's actually a good thing. A lot of people are named holly. It's another great tree name. If your name is Holly, I'm sorry for saying it so many times in a row. Unless it made you feel special, in which case, you're welcome. Ilix, the Holly genus, could be another fun tree name in my opinion. It's like a fun spin on Alex. Alex with an I. But if you said that, they'll probably put the I where the E goes, and you'll say, no, no, an I instead of an A, and they'll say, wait, really? The world may not be ready for it, but if it catches on in the future, know that you heard it here first. And just because summer is halfway over doesn't mean that summer fun is ending anytime soon. There's lots of trees to talk about all year long, and maybe I'll treat you to an extra summery tree this fall. But until then, the next episode of My Favorite Trees will be on July 27th, and I'll be talking about the mythical dragon's blood tree, native only to the island of Socotra. This is a real thing, guys. Don't miss it. I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast. If you have the time, leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us grow. The music is by Academy Garden. You can find more of their stuff on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Wherever good music exists, they are there. 
My cover art is by Brittany Burnett. Find her incredible photography on Instagram at Boomerang Brit. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at My Favorite Trees and get updates on future episodes and extra goodies. If you'd like to thank me back, you can do so by donating to your favorite sustainable organization, some of which are listed on my website, mftpodcast.com. Now, go find a tree that you love and give it a hug. <laughs>